What's up, Fathom fam? Welcome to the weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. You can follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on the Church Center app, Instagram, or YouTube, our Facebook page, or our Fathom Fam Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. If you've been with us the past few weeks, we've been in this series called The House of God. And um, as I was thinking about this this morning, it wasn't really in my notes, but as I was thinking through it, I I really wanted to take you back to really, I'm I'm not going to do like, this isn't like a vision Sunday, but the more I kind of was thinking, I, I realized that so much of this message today is the vision of the church um, and who God's created us to be. And I think you'll identify with it um, either in your own personal experience or people that you know um, through that type of, of personal experience. In my kind of years as being a follower of Jesus, I've found that people want to know God. I think the vast majority of people do believe that God exists, that there is a creator, just the complexity is not the answer alone. There's so much more to it from a rational approach, but I think there is something within creation itself that screams the, 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 that there's a creator. I think the vast majority of people believe there's a God out there somewhere, whether it has anything to do with my life or not is a, a second question, but I, I've found that. I don't know if that resonates with you, but so many people do believe there's a God. It's the church issue that people have a problem with. And and so many, in many ways, the reason God called us to plant Fathom Church is to be, uh, help help be a bridge in the church being who the church is called to be. Um, We're not the only one. There's a global church, and it's not dependent on us building it. Jesus said he'll build his church, okay? But we want to be faithful to be who God's called us to be as the church, and I believe that the church operating as it should and living as it should is the most attractive thing in our city. It's, it's the, it's, we're holy, first of all, by Jesus making us holy, but it's so different and it's so tangible and the Spirit of God abiding among his people and love and forgiveness operating should be the most attractive place in the city, in every city. But the reality is that churches are dying on a daily basis because they have not been the most attractive places. And I don't have nothing to do with the physical looks of it. From a spiritual content, from a, a relational aspect. Um, and so I, I want to kind of talk to us today and, and teach out of Ephesians and just share my heart on where I feel like we're called to be and, and what my role is, what our leader's role is, and, and really where that has to start for all of us. And so we're going to dive into Ephesians um, chapter 2. We, we've been working through verses 19 through 22. We're going to start there. I want to read it, and then we're going to kind of hit the fast forward button, just like, like the quick one, like one over one chapter. We're going to read through 13 verses in, in chapter 4. And then we'll work our, our way um, down. So Paul's been talking to the church at Ephesus. He's been writing and saying, hey, you were dead in your trespasses. Now you're alive. You've received God's grace. And so verse 19 says, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people. And you're also members of his household. You're, you're members of his Church, you're not someone who, who is a servant or a slave in his house. You're a son and you're a daughter. And it's been built, his church has been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. 
He's saying that this has all been built on the Old Testament and the disciples been built on their teaching with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together. The building is not the building. The building is believers. It's sons and daughters of God's household. We are the building. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. It's, it's us that's a light in the city, a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too, he's selling the church at Ephesus. I'm speaking it to you today. In him, you too are being built together. Everybody say together. You are not called to run this race alone. You are called to run it together with a local body of, um, of believers, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. See, we together being built together, growing in love and in passion for Jesus and for his glory, as I was just um, pre-preaching about, <laughs> that we become a dwelling place for God's spirit to live in us Sadly, that's not what people find oftentimes when they come in the church. They don't find an opportunity to, to, to grow and be built together. It feels like there's these cliques over here and all that stuff. And, and it's a, just families who are just holding this together and there's no place to get connected. And we want to make it so plain to you together that we need every single person living out and using their gifts. If we skip over to chapter 14, I want to read 13 verses. And so uh, hang with me here for a few minutes as we, we work through this, and I want to come back and, and preach this. Paul's in prison, so he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, and make every effort, say every effort, every effort. to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord and one faith and one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. He's given us gifts. This is specifically moving from uh, the corporate grace and the grace of salvation to charismata. Like grace gifts that God has given to us. He's apportioned it to us. This is different from where it says that Christ apportioned to us faith. He's, he's using the word grace here. And uh, when he ascended on high, he's, he's quoting um, Psalms right here. I'm not going to teach too much on this today. He took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people. Say equip his people. Equip his people for works of service so that the body may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do you, I'm, I'm stopping there. Um, do you see the gravity of what Paul is saying here? And Jesus says it in John chapter 17 as well. He's saying that we are to be a full picture of Jesus to our city. We're, we're, 
We're to attain, like in our maturity, as we're growing, as God is sanctifying us and making us holy, setting us apart from our dead in our trespasses season of our life to new in Christ, a new creation in Christ, as he's setting us apart all together individually, but together as one body to attaining to this whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Like that seems like a high bar, doesn't it? It, it seems unattainable, but he says attaining to it. it. It'll finally and fully be attained when Christ returns and we'll be made perfect. But, um, but in the meantime, we are to be working towards that. And that's why Paul begins this with, I urge you live a life worthy of the calling. I see uh, this idea of like kind of living a life worthy of the calling in a lot of different ways. Paul here is talking about our calling to, to God himself our calling in salvation to be reunited with Jesus, that calling uh, to be reunited with the Father through Jesus. That's what Paul's talking about. I see us living this out in a lot of different ways. I see us, you know, um, you get a new job, like you have an opportunity, you go in for an interview and a new job, and, and maybe this is the first time you have an opportunity to, to be an assistant manager, a co-manager, and, and the standards kind of go up a little bit on what your expectations were when you were an employee, but now, now you're kind of managing some people. There's some standards and some responsibilities you have in which the standards are different. Everybody's dressed up a little bit different when you go into that meeting at that new company, and you feel like, oh, I gotta, I gotta step up to this. Or if, if um, I, I see this in, in young fathers who are getting ready to have, um, you know, kids, and, and somehow like having a, a child kind of wakes them up, and they're like, hey, I gotta. I can't, I can't sit on the couch and play video games like I used to all the more. i got to step into this calling as a father, and I'm going to set some of those childish ways behind me. Uh, mothers might say the same thing in, in some uh, of their lives. Like, hey, I, gotta, I can't be out late like I used to be. I'm too tired, or, or I need to set some of my partying ways behind me and step into this calling as a mother. i got to take care, have somebody to take care of now. We can feel some of these ideas of living up to the calling, and the reality is that so many people and their faith and their relationship with God is lived out to kind of prove themselves to God. Like, God, you love me, and now I'm going to show you, like, all, oh, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to prove myself to you. I'm going to live a life worthy, and, and it, we get it a little bit backwards in that it's completely flipped over, and I'm trying to prove myself to God as opposed to realizing that we've, we're, we're not worthy, but but God has made us worthy already through the love and the sacrifice of Jesus. And so we operate from that place. I want to like just dial it back. Just like I'm going, we went to Ephesians 2, we went to Ephesians 4. I want to just like dial it back just a few verses uh, to verse 17. And Paul is, is speaking here right before this live a life worthy of the calling. And here's what his prayer is for the church at Ephesus. I'll pick up halfway through. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Here's Paul's prayer. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I want you to be able to grasp how much you can't grasp God's love for you. Is essentially what, he, what he's saying. That you may be filled to what? The measure of the fullness of God. So it's individually we are moved by the immense, immeasurable love of God that we, we cannot fathom, bonus points. We cannot fathom 
And we, in our own measure, in our own life, are, are experiencing the fullness of God. We're attaining to it. It really would not like, oh, I know all this stuff. No, no, what I know is God's plans are so much bigger than mine. And what I know is I was a wretch and now I've been saved and set free. I was broken and he's brought me into his fullness of his love. So that's where it starts. And then we flip over to chapter four, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And so the first thing I need you to hear today is that experiencing, walking in the fullness of God starts with experiencing the infinite love of God. Like walking in the fullness of God begins and starts with experiencing the infinite love of God. And that is an experience that goes on and on and on. It's not like once I'm now, I get it. No, like the deeper we go, the more blown away we are with his infinite love for us. How deep, like just keep going that way, just keep going that way as far as we can even imagine and beyond it is his infinite love for us. And so that's where it must begin in our life. And so if we look at, okay, what what does that mean then? Okay, I want to live a life worthy of the calling. So Paul's going to begin to break down, okay, what does that mean? I got to live a life worthy of, of being called a son of God, we would think, if we, we were kind of making up, hey, fill in the blanks, what do you think Paul says next about living a life worthy of the calling? Okay, uh, move to Africa and start this ministry, right? Um, uh, go, go, I mean, live, we're going to live a life worthy of the calling. I'm going to go be a martyr. I'm going to die for the cause of Christ. Maybe that will be what he says next. He didn't say any of those things. You know what he says? Live a life worthy of the calling. I'm going to break it down for you. Be completely humble. <laughs> Whoa, that, that's not really where I expected you to go, Paul. I'm living a life worthy of the calling. I got to do all these things. No, 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 it starts here. It starts here. It starts in humility. It starts in gentleness. Because we can't be all God's called us to be if, if we don't know that our whole life bows at his command. It's for his glory. And if we're not moved and we're not inspired by his great love for us, that's what moves us to live a life worthy of the calling. It's just a natural response, God. Like, you're just worthy of my whole life. You're just worthy of serving you with my hands and my feet and my whole heart. I just want to return that back to you. If, if you've been paying attention, and, and I wish I could tell I strategically planned this out, but the past three series we've been going through, God keeps placing this idea of humility right before us. When we were studying um, in our alignment series in uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1, in view of God's mercy. is really about humility. When we looked at the Beatitudes, right, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's this idea of humility that God is trying to get into our hearts. Like I said, I didn't strategize this. God is trying to get something into our hearts so that we can be the fullness of God. Individually living up to that and we're living a life worthy of the calling and collectively being the fullness. But it, it begins with humility. Uh, and we, we need that in our lives so desperately because those things, humility, gentleness, patience with one another, this is what, here's where things begin to get corporate, right? We're going to live a life worthy of calling and to keep unity. We, we can't keep unity when there's not humility. We, we've got to have that. And, and if you really follow this, I, I didn't even see this till this morning, you really follow this. All of our core values are built into the sermon, like unconditional love and an authentic community that God calls us into. Unity is in that 
authentic community. And we serve one another with our gifts. We serve God with our gifts. But, but unity is constantly being, there's a battle for it. Unity in the body of Christ is simply this. If you look at the text, here's what I believe it's saying. In the body of Christ, it's really matching what's already done in heaven. Us being unified and loving one another, forgiving one another, is actually just mirroring what God's already done. It's that bond of peace. It, it, it's mimicking that. And so in our relationships, through humility and gentleness and long-suffering, we can be built together. If we don't have unity, that's why he's just pounding this to the church at Ephesus. There is a, there's a oneness, there's a unity in his church that Jesus longs for. We'll talk more about that here in a few minutes. But Satan wants to divide the church. In fact, he doesn't just want to divide the church, he wants to destroy the church. He seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And how he, he does this, it starts with distortion. Like, he distorts, he'll distract, and he'll divide in order to destroy. Distort, distract. There's your alliteration for those of you like love alliteration. I apparently do. I do it a lot. It's like a preacher thing, but um, he begins to distort. He distorts the truth of God. Satan can't create anything. What he, he can do is distort, and what happens after that, he, he has no authority over us, over the church. And so we, we must take captive the thoughts where it's coming in to distort and make them obedient to Christ, make them obedient to the word of God. Because otherwise he's going to distort and that ends up distracting. Well, there's this whole issue over here that, we, uh, that we've got to deal with over here and, and this person's upset about this and this person's upset about this and this person's upset about this. And, and God's calling us together to be unified and in humble um, love for one another, living out the cause of Christ and for the glory of Christ, being unified and make every effort to keep that unity. And so the enemy's trying to do everything he can to distort the truth, whether it's to distortion uh, over uh, a certain scripture, what God says about women and what God says about sexuality and what God says about teachers and what God says uh, about uh, you, you name it, gender, like whatever. You pick a thing and the enemy will take it. He can't create anything, but he'll distort it away from God's plan and then and to distract us. And then we're like all over the place and sooner or later we're divided. Have you seen it over the past year and a half in, in churches around the country, in our nation? Like one thing after the next. If we're not going to be divided over uh, the racial thing, well, you're a racist. No, you're a racist, right? No, th then it's going to be, well, you're not wearing a mask. You are wearing a mask. You're not vaccinated. You're vaccinated. And there's just this bickering back and forth in the church. It used to be a long time ago. The lights are too bright or the, the lights are too dim or, you know, that, that person's wearing a, you know, whatever. It's like, there were so many things to divide over, and that's like the enemy's like feeding ground. He loves that, but the church is to be united, one Father, uh, one um, Spirit that we've been given, one baptism, and we are to, to match what's already done in heaven with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We talked about it a few weeks ago. We're not going to be able to have unity and peacekeeping with everybody. But, so unity is absolutely indispensable if we're going to become mature in Christ. It's indispensable. But what we find, that unity, once we get in proximity, is really messy. It sounds good. Yeah, let's be unified. Let's be one big happy family. And then we get with some people who hurt us. We get close to some people who, man, I thought, I thought they were further along in their journey, and here they are cussing me out. It's a, it's a little bit harder when we get in proximity. 
to love people. Uh, the, the King James for the word patience, I, I love it. Anybody know what King James is? There you go, they threw it up too early. Uh, uh, the, the King James for um, patience is long-suffering. Isn't that like perfect? It might as well be the message translation because <laughs> that is so real for what patience is. It is hard and it is painful in our life to be patient with one another as we're growing into maturity, to be unified and to be patient through all of that. It's hard. I was 21 years old. I'd just come out of college, just graduated college, just got work in full-time ministry, you know, and um, we moved in this church that was long established, and it was in an old wineskin. There's a biblical thing uh, called wineskins that, that Jesus talks about. I don't have time to teach you. I'll teach you another day. But they were, they were in an old wineskin, old methodology of church, and God had brought a new pastor with a new vision, so there was a new wineskin and so Jesus talks about his wineskin, like and he was talking about the new covenant. But there was just a shift taking place in the life of the church. And so we were in a strategic meeting, uh, myself, one of our other staff pastors, with some of the key players as a part of this shift that we were making uh, in ministry. And we're sitting in, in the, uh, a room, like the old fellowship hall or something like that. We're sitting in there. And as we're having this meeting with the key players, one of the deacons, one of the elders or leaders in the church comes barging in the door, uh, fuming. His face is beat red. And he looks at me, goes like this, and he says, listen here, boys. And proceeded to scream at us at the top of his lungs about why everything we were doing is wrong and why none of it will work. And now he's not going to let it happen in the church. He, as he was screaming at us, uh, my uh, ministry staff pastor sitting next, next to me, uh, he's, not a, he's not a fellow to be trifled with. He, he topped the scales uh, just under 400 pounds, and he had been to jail and was not scared to go back. Um, and so I can see his color matching uh, the leader's uh, color that had walked in the door and was screaming his head off at us. And I can feel it, and I don't know what came over me. It was the Holy Spirit, and it was like uh, with that motherly instinct to just throw my arm, you know, like a mom does, you're trying to just throw the arm. There's an accident about to happen, and I threw my hand on his big thigh as if to say, slow down, horsey, because <laughs> there was about to be an accident. And I just said, it was just, a, just a, a spiritual touch in a moment to say, God's got this. God's got this battle. We're not gonna. We're not gonna re respond in the same way that it's being offered to us in that moment. And I would love to tell you that things changed immediately, right? One word, one spiritual prayer in the moment, and everything changed. The reality. It was some long suffering, and patience. Him with us as we were shifting into this new vision for the church. And us with him, as there was unresolved anger issues and frustrations about all the things and all the change that was taking place. And there was, this, there was this tension back and forth for a couple of years. I was going back and forth, and we had to have a lot of conversation, a lot of prayer together, a lot of he heated conversations and resentment and fighting back and forth. But over time, as we were long-suffering with one another, God began to do shifts. He grew me up in that season tremendously. And God began to just shape this man's heart so deeply where he was against everything that was taking place. He became the biggest cheerleader for vision in the house. 
I mean, he, became, he, he, he was there trying to control things at the beginning, but he became just a son who had been raised up in that house and was a part of that vision and championed the vision. And even today, as we plan and fathom church, he has sown into this house numerous occasions to make ministry effective. And you experience the tangible effects of that every week. It took some long suffering to get there but, and, and some maturity process that took place, but it was through that messy proximity that God began to do something. And so maybe there's some people in your proximity that there's going to be some issues with, but we've got to make every effort to keep the bond of peace that's already there in heaven so that we can be the fullness that God calls us to be. It says in verse 11, and Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. I want to teach on these kind of these five words here, and, and some people will call this the fivefold um, ministry, like leadership that God has given to the local church. Um, and I just want to break these down for, for you for just a moment, really beginning with the idea of apostles. I want to break them down. I think it's important if these are going to be people who equip you that you can recognize, okay, this is what this is, because I frankly think there's a lot of terrible teaching that's been out there. Some of you are brand new to church and you've never been taught anything and that makes it really easy. <laughs> and, um, but for those who've come from all kinds of different backgrounds, we've got all kinds of different theology from different places and doctrines, I want to speak my heart on what I really believe these mean. That Christ himself gave those leaders to the church. Sometimes in the New Testament, when it's talking about apostles, actually most of the time, it's talking about the disciples, like the first apostles. Actually, the text we read in Ephesians 2 is about that. Here, he's saying, I think it's that and it's beyond that because the literal meaning of the word apostle is really one sent with a mission, one given a word to, to do. And the reality is that the church has been moved forward by apostles, not from those first apostles, but then those who God put it like after them, who said, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to this country in which God told them to go to that country and preach the gospel. God give them, gave them a vision for a ministry. Like you name the ministry that's been non-profit, that nonprofit and church ministry that's happened. There's probably an apostle behind it who God spoke to and said, you are to go and do this, minister to these people. I, I think apostles go beyond the first century to apostles. I, I think there are people that God, if you understand the root of that word, that's what it means. Those sent with a mission, those cause called out to be sent to. And so uh, I believe uh, that's the reality. I think um, the, the second one we get really, like the, that one probably weirds us out. Like evangelists, okay. We can not be weirded out by that much. The prophet one, let's be real. Some of us, like, it's scared. That word even scares us. But you know what Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 14? He goes, you want to know the biggest and most powerful gift in the body of Christ that we really need everybody striving for is prophecy. He, that, that it is a powerful spiritual gift. And when we talk about these, we can look at these as appointments of leadership, but the reality is that the, bo the body of Christ has gifts, and we're going to talk more about that um, in a minute, but this idea of, of what, it, what is prophecy, it's where if a teacher is teaching the word, a, a prophet is sensitive to what's the timely word. 
What's the timely word to speak for God? A, a, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, uh, they're all speaking for God, if we really think about it. Like, that's, that's what I'm doing, preaching for this. And I, I encourage you, everybody you're listening to, you need to filter it through the lens of God's word and without, with humility to be able to receive what we need in our own life so that we're equipped for the work that he's called us to, the works of service. But so we've got to filter that through. But the prophet brings a timely word, and there's sense that we, we need prophets in our life. We need people who know when to warn us and when to comfort us. Those that know when to rebuke us and those that know when to build us up. They just know the timing. They can sense like this is the truth of God's word that needs to be spoken into your life at a specific moment. And that and many times can change the trajectory of, of their lives because God, God spoke to that person to be able to speak that in this specific moment, that scripture, they needed to hear that. And that's the gift of prophecy. So some are given a special gift for that and operate in that, a supernatural gift. And, and Paul calls us all to strive for that, to be sensitive, to be discerning. So gifts are unique to everybody, but then there's a lot of these that we're all supposed to foster and ask God, God, would you give me the timely word for my family right now to pray over them? Would you give me the timely word for my team, uh, uh, my ministry team? Would you give me the timely word? We can, we can have a heart for that. Um, the, the evangelist, we need evangelists in our body. And I just want to say to anybody who's watching online or listening online, and, and this is not your church home, and, and we're kind of like a a church 1B or, or 1C or, or church B you listen to throughout the week. I just want to encourage you and encourage those of you here at Fathom, I want to encourage you to allow your lead leader, your, your lead pastor, your senior pastor, your senior allow them to be who God's called them to be. So many times we want them to be who we want them to be. And let me just t tell you, like for your ministry leaders, like let me just take, let me just take Dick. Can I pick on you for a second? I'm not picking on you. I'm honoring you with it. Um, David is not a prototypical student pastor. He's not. A lot of students, like we need somebody like who's gonna love like all the crazy games and stuff. And, and it's just not his personality, right? He would tell you that first. If you've been around him, he loves our students and our kids. He and Sophia so much, but it's not him. And so he has, he has certain gifts that God has given him in the body of Christ. I'm not, I don't want him to be anything other than who God's called him to be. And there's gonna be things that God's gonna grow in him as he is with me and, and many of our other leaders here at the church. But let's not manipulate our leaders to be who we want them to be. Let them, there's already so much pressure on pastors. And so I wanna tell you that, just let them be themselves. Like let them, if, if they're a shepherd, right? And they're not the evangelist, you know, like to like lead the charge in whatever, like preaching to, you know, thousands or even out in the city, but you are, like live that out, live that out. If, if they're not an apostle and they don't have this big vision or, or whatever, like it's okay, like let them be them. That is, they are living out their calling and what needs to happen is the body needs to come around them and honor those gifts, and then all of us be released into our gifts. Is that making sense at all? Because I, uh, I think it can free some of us from a lot of, a lot of just inner stuff. Um, so prophets, evangelists, we need evangelists to press us on to help like, learn how to preach the gospel to people. We need them preaching the gospel and, and equipping the saints to preach the gospel. 
And I'm so thankful for, for how God brings evangelists into this house to be able to lead the gospel forward. Pastors and teachers, some of these look at these differently, like these are two different roles or one role. I'm just gonna tell you, I, I used to think it was two different roles. Now I really see these two working together because I don't think you can be a teacher in the body of Christ and not have a shepherding heart. If, if you just want to teach because you like teaching and you're good at teaching and you don't know how to shepherd hearts, you're not going to be very effective. In your, if, if you're a pastor but you can't teach the, the word of God, I'm not talking about from a stage. It may not be the best communicator. I'm talking about just teaching the word of God. So many of us, we're, we're really like comparing our pastor to, you, you know, to, you know, whoever it might be who's so charismatic or, or, or whatever they can, their giftings. And I just want to encourage you that I think, I, I think they go together because I think you need the, the, the shepherding side of teaching and I think you need the, the, the teaching side of shepherding. They, they go together. Does that make sense? It's just, my, it's just my thoughts on that. So the pastors and the teachers to equip the saints, to equip the body of Christ right, for works of service so that we can step into that. I remember um, my, I was in middle school, and uh, I started to play tackle football, and um, uh, I think, you, do you guys have a picture? I threw it up on my throwback. Do I have it back there? I can't remember if I gave it up. There you go, middle school Kyle playing some Plant City Dolphin football, and I got all these pads the night before, and uh, I just laid them there, and there was like knee pads, and there was thigh pads, and I, I just saw like Kyler Murray has like a Bruce Lee thigh pad. I'm like, that's the coolest thing ever. You can like see Bruce Lee through his thigh pad. And there's hip pads, there's butt pads, there's shoulder pads, there's this helmet that's hard to put on until your head's sweaty. And, and um, I, I didn't, I honestly, I had been playing football my entire life. My mom was showing me pictures when I asked for a picture. She, it was me of just like a little kid, just like hiking the ball to my dad or like receiving the hike from my dad. Been playing it forever, you know, played it in the yard. I'd scored hundreds of touchdowns in the yard, right? But I played with no shirt and no shoes for most of my upbringing. That's how I lived, unless we were leaving the house. Um, That's just how I lived. And here I got all this equipment and I have no idea what to do with it. And my dad came along and said, hey son, this is where you put this and this is gonna protect you. You're gonna put this and this is where this goes and this is why you need that. And it was kind of, it was kind of bulky. You know, first, and I had to learn to run in it. I run, ran a little slower in this. It took me a little time to understand how to use this equipment on my body, but it's a necessary thing. And so many of us, like, we've been kind of playing church. We've been going through motions, and, and I think the aspects of humility and unity really builds up to understanding that we're under spiritual authority. We need all those. Because without, without humility, um, we cannot receive the blessing of the gifts of others. Without unity, we can't be a blessing with our gifts to others. If we're not unified, if we're not in proximity, if we're not connected, then I don't have an opportunity to be a blessing with the gifts that I've been given. And without spiritual authority, we can't be equipped to become the fullness of God. So we, we need all three of these, humility and unity and spiritual authority. But here's the beauty is if we do find ourselves moved and inspired by the, the love of God that we literally can't fathom. If we do, then with humility, we're blessed by the gifts of others. In unity, we bless others with our gifts. And under Jesus' authority, we become the fullness of Christ. We live up to the fullness of Jesus. And is that going to look different at different times? 
Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's under the authority. And so many of us, our lives are like rolling stones. But when we get connected to the body of Christ using our gifts, we become living stones built on the chief cornerstone. And so I want to call you to, to hear what Jesus said, or hear, hear what Paul said, is that Christ himself gave gifts to his people. He's placed specific gifts inside of you to be used for his glory. And it's going to be a process. There's an equipping process to live that out. But keep going in that process. And as we are connected together, um, we can become the fullness in which God lives by his spirit. The band's going to come here in just a minute, and we're going to close out. But I just want to, I want to speak into to, to your life and say, don't neglect the gift of God that's within you. Paul said this to Timothy, don't neglect it. Fan it into flame. God's placed gifts in, in you for a reason. Let's live a life worthy of the calling we've received. Let's, let's together be connected and unified in humility and unity and our spiritual authority that we may become the fullness of Christ. Because, you know, when we first moved here, um, it, I, I, like, I didn't realize this I, at first, but I, I began to just realize, I'm like, hey, there's a lot of churches in this town. Um, and I ended up seeing like these like surveys, these studies, and they're like, Jacksonville is the most, like it's in the top 50 of religious cities in America. And like the next week I saw one, Jacksonville's in the top 50 of the least religious. <laughs> I'm like, you can kind of make the numbers say what you want to say. Um, but what I really saw is that um, the truth of where I started this conversation is that people want a relationship with God, but the church, it's, it's messy. A lot of people have turned away from the church because the church hasn't always been the best version of itself. And so I, I want to call us together to be connected to one another, to be unified, to honor the gifts of others so that we can be blessed by them and to bless others by operating our gifts. Like discover what it is. Start DNA sessions. Like get connected. Meet some leaders today. You ain't got to jump on a team this week. Just, just get to know some people. Like begin to ask God the question, God, how can I be connected to use my gifts in the body of Christ? So thankful for how just dozens and dozens and dozens of people are just making that happen on a weekly basis. I want to call us to stand. We're going to pray together. But before we pray together, I want, to, I want us to pray individually. You know, we call this moment like a response moment. Because we're not supposed to just hear the word and then go out just the same. Just kind of go about our business, go about our day, go about our week. We're supposed to hear the word of God and respond to it. And so anytime we get to this moment, then think, I'm not looking for any kind of specific thing other than for you to respond to what God is speaking in your life. Because that's what God's looking at. Are you responding to the word of God in your life. And if not, it's not me you're not responding to, so my feelings don't get hurt. It's God you're not responding to. And so I want us to just have a moment where we just pray and say, God, would you give me vision? Would you help me understand where you want to use me in your kingdom? You may get an answer to that this week. It may be 10 years before you really understand that. But you can start taking steps and moving to a place that, God, I want to I be used for your kingdom. So can we just pray a personal prayer? And then we're going to pray a unifying prayer together. 
God, I pray right now, just individually, God, that every single one of us would just hear your voice calling out to us. God, we would have an encounter and an experience so deeply with your love, God, that would rock our world. We, we would, that we, we, that we'd find ourselves so humbled by your grace and your mercy in our life that, that it moves us to a place, God, like, what do you want? God, what do you want from me? How can I honor you with my life? I live a life of worship to you, God. That's, would you move us? Would you transition us in our own spirit, God? Prune away those parts, those hard parts of our heart that have been hurt by the church. God, prune away those parts of our life, God, that are not a life worthy of the calling that we've received. God, would you highlight those in us today? Right now, God's, God's stirring some of us because there's some things in our life that he wants to prune off and we just got to release it. I'm not even going to start naming things, but you know what it is. You know what God wants to prune off in your life because it's not living a life worthy of the calling. He's calling us into righteousness. He's calling us into holiness. God, move us in our own walk, God, spiritually to be connected to one another in unity. I want us to pray a unifying prayer as we close, and this band's going to lead us. We're going to worship together. And so right now in this moment, I'm going to begin to pray, and I want you to pray from your own heart, from your own spirit, that, that God would allow each of us to be a part of connecting and unifying the body of Christ. Jesus said that, when we do that, it is by our love for one another that all the world will know that we are his disciples. They'll know because of our love for one another. Come on, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much. God, I thank you for, for calling us and choosing us and bringing us into a family that none of us are to run this race alone, God, but we are to be unified for your kingdom's cause and for your glory, God, would you help us to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient and endurance with one another, long-suffering, God, that we might become the fullness, God, would you help our leaders, would you help us, God, receive from our leaders, God, that we might become the fullness of the body of Christ. God, would you help us, God, get to a place today where we are a reflection in our city, God, of your love and your grace. Father, we make ourselves available to you. God, whatever you want to do in our lives, wherever you're calling us, whatever you're doing in us, we are willing and ready to move. In Jesus' holy name, amen. We're going to be down here at the crosses if you want somebody to pray, but let's worship. Let's respond to the Lord today. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday, and there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.